all of you amazing, beautiful, badass people out there listening, I am so excited to be bringing you another episode of Embracing Enough, the podcast brought to you by Enough Labs. I'm Dina, and I'm the host of Embracing Enough. And over here, we get real, we get honest, we get vulnerable, and we get brave. As I've mentioned before, I've decided to organize this first season of this podcast into these four episode segments where we get to break down a different topic each time. Now, if you've been rolling with me since the start, you know that we kicked off our first segment, Unpacking Adolescence. We talked about what it means to be a teenager today during COVID-19, reflecting on our own journey to fitting in and feeling enough, and reflecting on what it means to love ourselves as we are without needing to change a thing. And then we moved into the second topic, one of my personal favorites, body image. And I was so honored to have this impressive lineup of women from personal trainers, wellness experts, even a boudoir photographer. And I loved how we were able to unpack this current day obsession with body image, but also got to discuss ways that we get to reframe it and create a new narrative around it. And now we're here with episode 11, which kicks off this third segment. And I've decided to explore this idea of what it means to prove ourselves. We all feel this pressure to prove ourselves, but when is enough enough? In this episode, I kick us off with some reflections and a peek into my own journey about the never-ending search for validation. It's been a journey for real. But I figured, why not start and unpack this chase for validation and acknowledgement, especially as it shows up in the workplace? Let me paint you all a picture of who I was in the early stages of my career. I was the queen of adaptability forever shape-shifting and people-pleasing. I was constantly overcommitted. I couldn't stand up for myself to demand more money when I knew I was worth it. I was offended by constructive criticism or took someone disagreeing with me personally. I mastered the art of telling people what they wanted to hear so that they would find me impressive, all the while worrying incessantly about what would happen if they really found out who I was. Not only did I lack a core sense of confidence in what I brought to the table, but I found myself seeking permission when it wasn't necessary. I gotta tell you, the need for approval kills freedom. Not to mention is a complete and utter waste of time, trust me. But what I want to share with all of you is that no matter how high I jumped for the approval of others, the only validation that mattered in the end was my own. It usually starts out as a pretty logical tactic, right? We gain others' approval, make them happy for a moment, and then we, in turn, feel pretty good about ourselves. Seems like an ideal path to take. I mean, everyone likes recognition. But the longer we do it, the less it feels good, especially in the workplace. 
there always comes a point in time when this constant seeking of approval, the very thing that at times can secretly drive our motivation, no longer serves us. We reach a point where we realize we're actually turning our backs on what we fundamentally know to be true. And what's worse, we turn away from who we are. For real though, that need for validation on the job that we're doing, whether it's in the salary you make, the public praise, or the acknowledgement that you deserve to be promoted, it can all be extremely addictive. But you know what else it does? It can create anxiety, depression, or even low self-esteem. It's sad to say, but the desire to get people to approve of me and my actions actually motivated a lot of my choices early on in my career. When I got my professional start, I was eager, <laughs> to say the least. My need for approval created this immense anxiety about the value that I provided as part of a team. And it actually caused me to spend way too much time on tasks in order to perfect them. You see, I chased perfection in everything I did, and, and I would settle for nothing less. Perfection showed up in how quickly I could complete a task. It was sought in everything I wrote. And I even became obsessed with delivering a quality product that was worthy of people's approval. It, it was all exhausting. But I thought to myself, this is the price you pay to get to that proverbial top, isn't it? I mean, anyone starting out in their field goes through this period of deciding what their path to advancement will look like. For me, in the early days of my career, I somehow picked up this message along the way that in order to get ahead, I had to put myself in situations where I could shine. For me, that ended up having me volunteer for committees on top of my position responsibilities. It had me agreeing to write manuals and procedures to explain how something was done when there wasn't a roadmap for me to figure it out. <laughs> it even had me agreeing to stay in the office late to deal with backlogs that weren't even created by me. It was grunt work for sure, but I kept telling myself, people will see your commitment though. Impressing the right person could land you that reference for the next job or opportunity placed in your path. So stay the course, make sure you, you show up. <laughs> but I was in these entry-level jobs in my field for several years. I even simultaneously kept working for one of these jobs while I was pursuing my master's degree because I was convinced that a master's degree would actually convince people that I could do more than what I was doing and could help potential employers see me with that right technical expertise to get those positions that I coveted so much. Well, that plan didn't really work out all that well <laughs> because even after my master's, I was still finding myself stuck in these entry-level jobs that didn't afford me the opportunity to work on things that were really important to me. I was taking positions that I wasn't all that excited about in the vain hope that if they saw how much of an asset I was, I might be able to get the chance to do the work that I was really excited about. Maybe even travel? See, I wasn't someone who was anxious about trying new things outside of my comfort zone. But I was someone that if I was ultimately given the chance to try something new, 
I got stuck worrying about how it needed to be perfect. I can even recall one time I had this chance to give a presentation on how to integrate gender in the work that we were doing. And it was really early in my career. This was a presentation that I had prepared for for weeks. I had everything nailed down. I was ready. But the second I walked into that conference room, I opened my mouth and I was crippled by fear. I swear, nothing that came out of my mouth made sense. I was sweating. I couldn't string a sentence cohesively together. And I looked across that long conference room and I felt the weight of all of these eyes on me. And I had decided in that moment that the only thing that these folks were saying inside was fraud, imposter. Why is she talking about something she knows nothing about? She doesn't even have experience working overseas. The memory of that presentation still gives me chills when I think about it today. I remember blowing off work early, calling a friend, and uh, heading to the movies to think about anything but the disaster that was my day. I felt like I could never hold my head high in that office again. My confidence was totally rocked. Now, of course, I'm able to say today that I survived from the humiliation I felt during that presentation, but for years, the memory of it absolutely haunted me. And I didn't love the workplace that I found myself in. I remember driving to work in my Nissan Altima, crying uncontrollably. I knew I should feel good about the fact that I was working in my field uh, in something that I had gone to school for, which was rare. But I felt like I was losing this awareness of what was important to me, what actually drives me, and what would make me happy. I felt completely stuck doing work that I didn't particularly enjoy. And I continued these habits that were counterproductive. After a lot of deliberation and thinking about what really mattered to me, I finally reached a point where I was able to let go of what others' acceptance looked like and veered off course to do something different. I knew I wanted out of the DC rat race for that moment, and I was tired of doing work I wasn't connected to and wasn't getting paid enough to do. I wasn't getting paid enough because I was working nights at that point in time at a local Barnes & Noble bookstore for three nights a week. It definitely helped with some of my bills, but definitely <laughs> left me severely overworked. I can recall uh, restocking and, and reorganizing the travel book section, and I found myself just glancing at all of these places in the world that I dreamt about visiting and, and working in, and because I wanted to learn about other cultures, and I wanted to find some small way to do good work. I knew I wanted more. I wanted out of DC. I wanted some kind of adventure that I could really see the work I had studied and been somewhat involved in was really about. I did some research and landed on a fellowship program that sent development professionals and educators to 10 different countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. I, of course, was scared to apply, but once I did, 
I felt relieved that I had actually given myself a shot. And it wasn't easy to submit because by this point, I had already received nearly 10 rejection letters to other positions and opportunities overseas. But then the letter came in the mail and I had been accepted. And they were sending me somewhere that I knew virtually nothing about, frankly had never really heard anything about, Djibouti. <laughs> Not being in a traditional workplace setting, I was finally able to get in touch with what really mattered to me. I could dare to be creative and try things I had never done before. I felt like I was getting clear about what life could look like if I made decisions based on what's right for me instead of what others would ultimately approve of. To many, giving up a job in DC in international development where I was technically on track to continue to move up that career ladder was a huge risk. And when I told them that I was traveling for less money and the risk of rolling power outages and other removals of comfort, very few understood my why. My time in Djibouti was not always easy but it did offer me a profound lesson. Contrary to popular belief, you don't need to be or appear constantly busy in order to be successful. You can see success as a measure of doing what matters to you. And I will be forever grateful for the ability to slow down, to have wonderful in-person conversations with my students, engage in critical discussions about development with friends on long road trips, and the gift of impromptu encounters with people over tea. My experience there proved to me that even though I didn't have all of the formal training that would have me prepared for that role, I was able to surprise myself and figure it out. I was able to overcome that fear of being in front of a room <laughs> and finally gained the confidence to speak in front of classrooms and conference rooms that ultimately I had needed earlier on. Because I was out there doing it just for me and building off my own strength to go with what felt right for me. It was exhilarating. You know, when I look back on my career, I know it wasn't all me. The reality is that there is this type of toxic workplace culture where employees feel unsupported, neglected, or unacknowledged. And it gets little to no attention in what we talk about on a regular basis. Most workplaces have increased their efforts to eradicate more direct forms of abuse, like sexual harassment. But they've done very little to address the more subtle forms of abuse, the microaggressions, the pressure to perform, and the criticism that a company is not producing a desirable product. I recently completed a course on holistic approaches to anti-racism. It's offered by Stephanie Kimu and CC Battle. I'll post a link about the course if you're interested in learning more, but I highly recommend looking into it. I absolutely loved the course and got so much out of it, so definitely try to check it out. 
One of the readings that was a part of this phenomenal course talked about how perfectionism is one of the many characteristics of white supremacy culture that shows up in our organizations that is severely damaging. As I read about the ways in which perfectionism shows up in our workplace culture, it started to click in a major way of why so many of us struggle to feel at peace with our performance at work and feel like there is this endless battle of needing to jump higher. Let me read you a couple of these examples and you can decide whether they sound familiar to you. Little appreciation expressed for the work that others are doing or the appreciation that is expressed is usually directed to those who get most of the credit anyways. Pointing out either how the person or work is inadequate, talking about the inadequacies of a person or their work without ever talking directly to them, and strong documentation and writing skills that are more highly valued, even in organizations where their ability to relate to others is key to the mission. I've seen, experienced, and sadly found myself even in rooms where this type of behavior was being perpetuated. The worship of the written word hits me particularly hard as I remember the degree of self-beat-up that I would go through whenever I would hear someone say that my writing wasn't good enough or the experience of discomfort that I would feel when I would be in meetings where someone was being berated for their writing style. Workplaces are ultimately going to take a while to shift, to catch up. But what we can try to control in this very moment is to change the approval-seeking behaviors that we show up to work with. I get it. It isn't easy when you feel your own growth path rides on you completing the tasks that others want you to do. It isn't easy to start making decisions that could be disapproved by others. And I also get how hard it can be to speak up or confront things that you feel are wrong because of the suspicion of what others may think of you. But I'm telling you, What's worse is continuing to seek validation from others and avoiding those confrontations time and again. It will have you living a life where your own true values are missing and has you questioning even more. Don't forget, the search for validation is a choice. And ultimately, that choice is up to you. When I think back to that gut-wrenching presentation where I could barely form a sentence, don't get me wrong, I still cringe. But I also realized that in my need for approval from others, I was unable in that presentation to access the freedom to create and be inspired by what I was talking about. In that moment, I was so consumed by what others thought of the presentation that I was unable to truly connect with what I was talking about. See, I've always considered myself a pretty high achiever who got seemingly positive results, but those results have always been at the expense of everything else. When you're driven to achieve solely because you want to impress others, you wind up doing too much, feeling overwhelmed, getting lost in your thoughts about your challenges, people-pleasing, overworking, and avoiding making time for yourself because you constantly find yourself unable to say no. 
but I'm telling you there is more on the other side of this. Once you have identified how you seek approval from others, and more importantly, why, it's up to you to do something about it. I would love to see more women embracing their own knowing, that deep sense of radical self-acceptance that allows them to access decisions and choices that make sense for them, not others. We would avoid so much unnecessary agony and suffering that we carry with us at work if we could just tap into that part of ourselves to let go of the need for approval. So I want to leave you with some small ways to support you on your journey. First, building a strong sense of self-acceptance cannot be underestimated. Strengthen that core foundation within you so that you can feel strong enough to go with what feels right for you. No one else can tell you that, and it requires some digging. But doing this eventually helps you get to a place where you no longer feel the need to look to others to feel good enough about your choices and decisions. I recommend keeping something close by, maybe, maybe a journal on your desk where you work, and start acknowledging daily or even a few times a week the things that you're most proud about yourself, choices you've made, things you were able to accomplish, insights you've learned, times you've stayed true to yourself. Keeping a running record of those things can pay back huge dividends later. Secondly, practice letting go of making decisions uniquely based on what others will think. And what this means is noticing the language that you use, your self-talk, the way you show up, and the way you may be volunteering for things in meetings. Get to a place where you can identify when it's coming up and why you may be having that knee-jerk reaction to say yes to a task or project when it's not something you want. Learn to check in with yourself with what actually feels right and remind yourself that it is your choice. Give yourself the validation for just being you and acknowledge that you can have the time and space to explore decisions that are right for you. And lastly, embrace constant improvement. If you receive criticism, try to get comfortable with it and what is exactly in that feedback. I would encourage you to use it to help you grow, to notice things in yourself and what you can take from it. Remember that feedback doesn't have to be an emotionally charged experience. It's neutral. If you're in a space where you are focused on improving your own path and reaching your full potential, then progress is progress and forward is forward. I would say keep track of that progress as evidence that you are on your path and commit to finding those ways that align with your true values and purpose. So that's it, my loves. I hope this helped someone listening. Or maybe it helped you understand a friend who struggles with their own relationship to validation. Remember, everyone feels insecure sometimes, but we have the power to validate ourselves. All it takes is a little practice and a lot of love. Tune in next time as we continue this conversation around proving ourselves. I can't wait. And if you want to learn more about Enough Labs, check us out on www.enoughlabs.com or continue the conversation with us on Facebook or Instagram at Enough Labs. Until next time, be well, take care of each other, and never stop screaming how enough you truly are.